by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome back to In 17 Women. We are no longer the only Spurs women-focused podcast, but we are still the first. So thank you for joining us for our first episode of 2024. The team got the new year started in the FA Cup, hosting Sheffield United at Brisbane Road. But before we get to that game... We need to discuss the three new signings that have happened since our last episode, as well as a few outgoings, and then answer some transfer-related listener questions. So first, the club announced the signing of Matilda Vinber on a contract until 2026. She joins us from Hammerby IF in the Swedish League, and the 20-year-old can play as a winger or attacking midfielder, and she noted in her signing interview that physicality is a big part of her game. So how are y'all feeling about Matilda? Well, I guess one of the things that's really exciting about her is she is a young player. She's 20, I think. And she's a player that was linked with other sort of top four clubs that they were looking at her. And so it's just a sign of our growing ambition that we are signing players, not just her, but the other two that we're going to talk about today, who are, you know, desired by big name clubs that are that are coming to us as a choice as well and I think that was really notable in both the interview she gave and we're going to talk about Charlie as well they both talked about coming because they wanted to play with Robert Villaham and in the style of football that they know he's playing so that's really exciting and obviously it's great to get these young players who are highly skilled who are playing in the rights, you know, in the positions where we have potential need. And that's especially if Grace doesn't stay past her loan period. You know, she has been our starter at left wing and that means we've got an alternative and a really excellent one. Um, We aren't talking about the game yet, but we saw a few minutes of her and what we saw looked very promising. Yeah, definitely a sort of player more for the future, I would imagine, than immediately. Um, but that's great for us to have that and that development opportunity. And um, we've talked a lot about that kind of growth option. Uh, and having comp- competition for places is important. And whilst Grace is with us, it's great for her. She's got somebody who maybe is coming up um, on her heels. Uh, and and the more competition we can have, the better. And a, and a, a player that can play, you know, through the middle or on the wing, is a useful tool as well. We've got plenty of players who with, the, with that kind of versatility which means we can be unpredictable, which is always a good thing. Um, I, I don't I don't know much about any of these players individually, but, um, you know, they all seem like they are um, well-respected within the game. And that's, that's, you know, a great thing for us to be achieving. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm basing like almost my entire opinion off of one video that I saw that I'm sure most of you have seen by now, where she just like, basically demolished an entire team that she was playing and chipped. Well, she didn't so much chip the keeper as lobbed the keeper with a rocket of a shot. Um, If you haven't seen that video, I'm pretty sure I retweeted it. So you should go look, but like, I love a player with that style and I'm very excited. There is always a concern with a player who like physicality is a big part of their game when they're coming from a league that's maybe like less physical. Um, But I don't see any reason to think, you know, she wouldn't adapt. She's only 20 and she already looks so strong and fast. So, you know, there's probably even more room for her to grow there. And yeah, I'm really excited and I'm not even really concerned about that. 
Yeah, I think for a player that young to be showing that much confidence already is a really promising sign. Um, then we signed another young player. Charlie Grant was announced joining us from, and I do not know how to say this one, but I'm going to try, Vizio, G-I-K, on a contract, also until 2026. Uh, she's 22 years old, and she's a left fullback and also an Australian international as of recently. So thoughts on Charlie? This one was less of a surprise, wasn't it? We'd all heard the rumours, I think, that she was coming. Um, uh, so good to see again. And again, uh, we know that Man United were in for her as well and other teams. So lots of interest around her. And having, uh, well, preempting a little, having seen some of her play um, for her first game in Aspersia, I was very impressed and uh, really looking forward to seeing more of her. She's that kind of player we kind of like, not afraid to get in and get involved and tackle the ball. Um making some interesting runs and attacking pushes as well. So, yeah, really excited to see what she does in the team as well. Yeah, she's she seems great. She's like very enthusiastic. I don't think I've ever seen a footballer who is more sort of personable and enthusiastic ever. Um, but you can see that in her playing style as well. And she's definitely one of those players who is going to get involved and she seems, you know, excited to be here She's someone who I actually saw for the first time when I saw Australia beat England at Brentford and she scored her first goal for her country at that game. So I saw her in the mix zone afterwards and she was just sort of like so excited to be playing, to be scoring. And I think that we saw already her bringing that kind of energy to the game on Sunday. So she's someone as well who Robert Villaham knows of. I don't think that they've, you know, talked to each other or anything before, but they'd obviously played in the same league. And so he's very aware of what she's bringing. And she's, you know, having a left back in the team who is sort of, that's her preferred position is really exciting. I mean, we've gone from having no sort of left footed left backs to having lots of them, as we'll just discuss. And Sean just mentioned that, you know, Charlie and Matilda both had kind of been in demand from some of the top four clubs in the league. So what do y'all think that these signings signal about perhaps a change in Spurs women's reputation and our ability to actually recruit these top prospects? I have to imagine it signifies like some kind of internal shift at the club more than anything, because like we did not do well in the league last year. Uh, And I'm sure I don't need to remind you guys of that. Um, And I remember talking in the past about like the kinds of things that make players decide to come to clubs and like questioning whether we were doing them and like how Aston Villa was able to like get all these players to come, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Or like Everton was another one who was getting a ton of young players at one point and that we weren't doing it. Um, And so it's really great to see, like, we know that there's been a lot of changes internally at the club lately, but it it is good to, it it seems like a good marker that we we are seeming to see players with options actually, like, choose to come here. I think it's also the fact that we've got a discernible style now, so that they can be invited to come to play in a team and they know what they're going to be doing, what that team is about and the kinds of football that they're likely to play and it was one of those things that we you know there were times when Rianne Skinner had a style but there were also a lot of time when we couldn't tell what was going on and if we couldn't tell then anybody who is thinking of joining the club is probably also not going to be able to tell and so it's harder to make a decision to buy into that vision if there isn't a vision 
that's discernible to buy into other than, you know, it being a really nice place and players getting on and, you know, working till the final minute, which were all sort of like Rianne mantras, but it wasn't about how to play football so much. And I think that you can see that the players who are coming in all want to play in the way that Robert Villaham is, you know, setting the team up to play. And I think that's another big change. I also think there's something about that kind of consistency of building. And yes, last season was a terrible season, but the season before that was a, a brilliant season and we did really well. And this season we're coming back more to look like that kind of team again, that kind of potential for finishing in those kind of positions this season, I think. So it's, but it's not like it's the first time we've done it. So people can look at us and go, okay, um, they're doing really well this season and they have done well in the past. And so you can see that building kind of motion. Um, and as Rachel says, with that kind of style of play and that clarity and picking those players that want to play in that way, it's all about the different aspects of building, isn't it? And uh, continuity. And I think that we're getting there with that. Um, and, and, you know, we can see over a period of time, different kind of milestones in uh, in how we've improved. And I think gear shifts in how the club have approached things. Um, um, we'll talk about Shalina a little bit later, but I think when she and Alana Kennedy joined the club, there was that kind of sense of a gear shift in what we were doing. And then when Shalina stayed with us for longer than a season, it felt like there was, you know, that continuation. And then gradually we're seeing um, each, each time building on something and a gear shift um, and the club gradually taking us up, which is, you know, I think what as a fan base we like to see is that kind of gradual progression of we're not coming in and going, right, here's a billion pounds to spend on the club and just go. We are actually building and we're building in the right way. And I think the club is moving in the right direction, certainly on the field. And in from that perspective at the moment, still a lot of work to be done in other areas. But I, I do think we're a team that... Um, more and more players are going to want to come and play for and, and if we just keep playing the way we are then that's just going to continue if we keep getting results then that's going to continue and hopefully with the young players that we've got they'll want to hang around with us for a period of time and build and that again is you know really important in in a game where we see so you know people moving around and batting around a lot to kind of have a core group of players who will stick with us for a while and be spurs which we've seen you know again with Shalina we've seen her grow into that Spurs role and, and feel like Tottenham is is her home and, and her identity and, and as a fan base we love to see that so getting young players in who are hopefully going to stick with us also helps to I think maintain that kind of bond with the fans Yeah I agree and I think the fact that these young players know they have legitimate prospect of getting significant playing time is a big factor too because we've talked about you know the talent hoarding at the top four clubs I think players are starting to realize that's not really a good prospect for them if they're a young player looking to actually develop. So that's a positive. And I think also Robert Villaham, his reputation, um, you know, these players who have been in the Swedish league and know him from that, you know, that that's been a big draw, especially for these two signings. But just as we were about to start recording, we got the news of Amanda Nilden signing so y'all are just going to be getting pretty much instant reaction from us on this latest deal. The 25-year-old Sweden international is joining us on loan from Juventus with an option to make the move permanent in the summer. So what are y'all's immediate thoughts on this loan? And does anyone remember her from her days at Brighton? Because I sure do not. Uh, no, I don't remember her from her days at Brighton. Um, I think this is another one that we'd heard rumored, hadn't we, was happening, hadn't kind of 
happened yet. Um, and we've all been wondering what's going on at centre-back. Um, where we've had a few problems with the lineup and things and people going out on loan. So we were hoping we were getting somebody in. And yeah, again, this one seems like a really strong signing. Um, yeah, played in Italy and in Sweden and had some experience at WSL, albeit a few years ago now. So um, yeah, and another, um, you know, player who's kind of coming into that uh, peak period of her career. So hopefully, um, you know, a really interesting signing and, and we'll have some uh, competition in that defence this year that we've not had for a while. I'm still work, trying to work out what position she's going to come into play because Wikipedia thinks she's a centre-back or a midfielder, but all of the video I see of her and most of where she's been playing over the last year seems to be as a left-back or a left-wing-back. So if it's a left-wing-back, like I was saying earlier, it means that all of a sudden she and Charlie Grant are competing for that um spot which is really exciting obviously charlie can also play right and so it means that we've got the two of them plus ash as sort of really excellent fullback options uh, across you know both sides um obviously as meter as well but she's not seeming to be very favored by robert and has us a backup so that seems most likely obviously robert villaham has a tendency to re purpose players and so where he envisages her playing I have no idea and the fact that she's on a loan with an option to buy um, in the summer might mean that in a way he's going to see whether or not she works in a position so it could be that he's thinking of her as a left-sided centre-back but it might also be that he is going to use her where she has been used previously because she's the kind of attacking fullback that he probably does want so yeah I'm I'm intrigued I don't know where she's going to play but it seems like a very exciting signing um and yeah it's it's fantastic to start having really positive options rather than having to sort of place people you know square pegs in round holes at least now we're sort of refashioning all those square pegs so they're all round and they all fit Sorry, I just went down a rabbit hole trying to figure out if she'd ever played against us when she was at Brighton, and she did, and not much to note from that, except for that FBRF has our manager for that game listed as a 22-year-old Dutch guy, so uh, shrug. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know about y'all, but I don't get much occasion to watch the Italian League, so I don't have a whole lot of info on her, but it does sound like she's the right kind of profile in terms of like her age her experience um, that we've been looking for. So hopefully this will end up being a good loan and, you know, potentially a long-term signing for us. But we do have to talk about some outgoings that were kind of tough to process. Uh, Longtime fan favorite Shalina Zadorsky and Rhea Percival are both going out on loan to West Ham and Crystal Palace, respectively. Shalina's contract is up at the end of the season, so it's pretty unlikely that she's going to return. She joins a West Ham team that is facing a relegation battle, but she will at least be reunited with former Spurs manager Rian Skinner. And Rhea still has the whole of next season on her contract, but she might still seek a move after her loan if she doesn't have much prospect of playing time at Spurs. She struggled a little bit with getting back to full fitness after her ACL surgery, but I think she will undoubtedly be a big asset to Crystal Palace as they try to gain promotion to the WSL. Uh, thanks to her versatility and her experience. So how did y'all take the news of these loan moves for Shalina and Rhea? Uh, I guess not much of a surprise, really, uh, both with international careers and uh, Shalina certainly looking for game time ahead of the Olympics. 
Um, as I say, she's been, you know, she's been a really important player for our club. Um, coming in at a time when we didn't have players of her caliber playing for us, and uh, leading the team as a captain for a, a, a couple of seasons and and doing really well. And so it's a shame to see her go, but I do think it's probably the right thing at this point in time for her. Uh, Rhea is a bit of a, a more difficult one because obviously she's come back from injury and really not had much game time. And I just, I, I'm wondering how much of this loan is about her getting match fitness properly and seeing where she's at once she's played a few games and things. And maybe she'll come back and fight for her place in the summer. Um, she did say in an interview recently on one of the little stupid social media things that they like to do that she was hoping to end her career at Spurs. So it does sound like it's a possibility that she will come back. I guess it depends on how much game time she wants versus how much game time Robert's willing to give her. Um, and, I, you know, she is a, a Spurs fan and she... <laughs> It's been one of those trajectories when she first started playing for Spurs. I really, she was playing every week at fullback, and I didn't get it. Um, eventually, she moved into the centre of the park and uh, uh, played as a midfielder and played with her heart on her sleeve, and you know was everywhere always. And um, she became one of our favourite players. And um, I, I do hope that she'll be back next season in some capacity or, or whatever, because I think that she understands Spurs and and she knows she's coming to the end of her career. So maybe she'll want to kind of be playing down a little bit but staying at Spurs. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And uh, yeah, I was, I guess I, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised when I saw that news, but I, I was, and it made me sad because like, I love Rhea. She's just so wonderful. And I feel like, like I wanted to see her get attention with the growing attention on, on Spurs women. Um, but maybe that's still possible. Maybe I can still dream, but um I mean, one thing is for sure, she definitely needs the playing time right now. So I'm I'm happy for her to go get that. And I, I hope she crushes it. Yeah, likewise. I mean, I think the Shalina one was both not that surprising. She's got a very good relationship with Rianne Skinner and going to play for her in a team that desperately needs centre-backs made a lot of sense for everyone if she was going to be behind Amy Turner in the pecking order, which she seems to be. Um, and Robert Villaham in his press conference today talked about the ways in which he had these conversations with players who were outside of the starting 11, but potentially also outside of the, when he played 11 versus 11 on the training, those players who were not in either of those sides, he would talk to about where their futures might be and how they could develop and what options they had and they could so that they had the choice to leave if they wanted to. And it seems like that might be the conversations that he was having with these two players, you know, and Shalina, as Sean said, did a lot for the club and she was, you know, always an advocate for Spurs, a very sort of public media presence for the club as well at a time when not many other players were doing that. And so, you know, has been quite important in our development off the pitch as well as on. Um, and she was also obviously that player that Daniel Levy liked and it was, you know, you kept on seeing her meeting with him and you could imagine that that was, you know, at least swaying him a little bit to funding the women's team at a time when it was not being funded as well as it might be. And so those things matter. Um, and on the pitch, you know, she was part of that partnership with Molly, which was just so solid and especially in the 21, 22 season. And she played, you know, every game except one when she was on international duty, she's played, obviously, you know, she's been here a few years as has Rhea and Rhea, like you both said, um, it's just, it's crazy, isn't it? How much we kind of loved her and love her. She just was always 
she just like gave everything. I used to joke about her shirt being always the most muddy because especially when we played at um, the Hive, it was a muddy ground anyway, but she was like constantly getting fouled. She was on the floor. She was just going for everything and she seemed to be everywhere. And it is sad that she isn't at Spurs. In a way, I'm kind of glad that she's not at another WSL team, not for her, but because I don't want her to be at a team that I see as a rival because it just seems wrong because I know she's played elsewhere. Obviously, she's had a long career. She's like, you know, the most caps ever for New Zealand and she's played at West Ham before even. So I was slightly worried that she was going to go back there and they were going to claim her as her own. And I didn't want that. I want Rhea to stay Spurs like she properly is. And so I'm, yeah, like I don't want her career to go down and I hope that Sean's right and she comes back or that she gets to do something that she wants to do. Um, The only sad thing is that because she's gone to Crystal Palace, we won't see her again this season whereas at least Shalina may be around when we go to play West Ham obviously hoping she's not playing and that's part of the loan deal is that she's not going to play against us um but at least we can say goodbye to her then oh yeah that's a good point that you know even if these players do move on I hope they they get some proper recognition from the club you know when they officially move on because they're like I said they've been fan favorites for us it's sad to see these loans on a personal level Um, Because we know what they've given to the club, but I think it's going to probably work out for the best mutually. You know, this allowed the club to to make some of those, you know, new signings in positions where we really needed the depth. So hopefully it all works out on a much less emotional note. Another outgoing loan. We had Gracie Pierce going to get more senior experience um, at Charlton Athletic. She had only featured for us in the Conti Cup so far this season. So I think this was a pretty necessary loan. Um, And she's also going to be managed by a familiar face in Karen Hills. And then also the Academy players, Millie Boughton and Elkie Boyer are going to be joining up with Lena Gunning-Williams on loan at Ipswich Town. So they're also going to be under that dual registration arrangement where they still get to train with Spurs a few days a week. Um, So we definitely wish those youngsters good luck. Do you all have any thoughts on those other loans? Just seem like sensible things to be doing. Uh, Lena seems to be doing well, so great to have others joining her. And yeah, Grace, Gracie needed some uh, some more time. She wasn't going to get any playing time at Spurs after her performances this season for us. So, and yeah, I'm always happy to um, share with Karen as well. Yeah, and it looks like it'll be a good one. Like I know she had a similar loan to Bristol City, given um, the team's position in the table relatively um, near the top, pushing for promotion so would be pretty cool if she could do a repeat performance with our old friend Karen Hills yeah I think she needs it I think that she hasn't seemed she didn't seem that great when she came on in the one game we saw her this season that's a very small sample size so I can't take anything meaningful from it except that she wasn't massively impressive and so it's not surprising that she isn't getting game time and she does need to do something to develop um, yeah, no, I think that the two academy players are still at school, so they're probably not training at Spurs very much. They are going to be um, at Ipswich, whereas Lena is on a full-time contract. So she, and because Ipswich is part-time, she comes and trains with Spurs the other days. And I know that Robert Villaham again, talked about how much she's developed since she's been at Ipswich. And so that's really exciting for us in the future. Yeah, and Good catch from Abby, who just reminded me that Gracie and Karen Hills 
their time at Spurs did not overlap. So she's a familiar face to us, but not to Gracie. <laughs> but I still think we can feel good about, you know, her managing that loan. So we did get some listener questions about the transfer window. We're going to try to get to as many as we can today. First question from CH7 asked us, is it hit, miss, or undecided on the summer transfers? So just to refresh everybody's memory, that would be Barbara Votikova, Luana Buller, Olga Atanen, Martha Thomas, and then the two loans, which were Grace Clinton and Zhang Linyan. So what do y'all think? Wow. I think we've got some obvious hits in Olga and Martha, um, just like amazing, both of them. Grace has been pretty amazing too, but since she's on loan, I thought I haven't just like, I'm limiting my amazement there. Um, I think that Barbara is a clear hit as well. Even if she never plays another game after the North London Derby, I will be happy and it's worth it. Um, uh, Luana had mostly been a hit, but you know, of occasional moments of worry about her defensive strength and also just her physical um, strength because she's had multiple periods of injury um I think Linyan is more of a wait and see and since again she's another loanee and I think that one of the reasons for her loan was really to see whether or not she did adapt to this league so I'm happy for it as a loan but I don't think it's necessarily borne fruit yet yeah generally agree I think um Linyan's a wait and see um haven't really seen too much of her yet um Luana it's difficult because she does seem to be out injured a lot at the moment um and whether that's a regular thing in her um, uh, career or whether that's just unlucky for us at this current time, we, we wait and see. But the rest, I think, have all been hits and um, have all added something to our team this season. So it's it's been a really successful uh, summer transfer window, I think. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I can't really add anything other than agreement. Although I would say, like, I, I might be slightly higher on Luana just because, like, I don't know, like, yes, there are injuries and that hasn't been great. But I think center back has been one of our weaker spots for a while. And I think the other options there would not have made me happy. I think she's like by far like the strongest ball player out of the other options to pair with Molly. And I think that like the strong start she had to the season was like a key quiet, but key part in um, how we hit the ground running and how the vibes like became so good that even after a couple tough losses, like we're, we were able to rally and turn things around and like, you know, also put together a strong transfer window. Maybe that's a lot to put on her, but I do think she was a key enough contributor to those early vibes that for me, I would say she's like a soft hit. Yeah, no, totally agree. I think it's just the bar with Martha and Olga is so high. Like they are just like, you know, bullseyes. <laughs> this is like, I don't know. I can't even think of the darts that would be like, the, you know, it's a 17 or something. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I know nothing about darts. So <laughs> um, I think if I had to put someone into that undecided category, it probably would be Luana as one of them, just because I feel like she's missed so many games that we, you know, we haven't had a large enough sample size really. Um, same thing goes with Barbara, you know, obviously she had that massive game, but we still need to see a lot more of her before we can, I think, feel confident that she's, you know, our, our number one keeper, for example, that's still kind of undecided. Um, and then with Zhang Linyan, I think she just needs to get some more game time in the WSL. 
Uh, you know, we've seen her quite a bit in the cup games, but not enough in the actual league play. So, okay. And then we have two questions that kind of go together. So from Michael, what position do you think most needs reinforcing before the window closes? And CH7 also asked, do you have a dream transfer for the rest of the January window? So I, I feel like after Amanda Nilden signing, maybe this one has been a little bit mooted, but do y'all think we still need to strengthen anywhere else? I think we've got a pretty big squad now. So I think one of the issues is working out what everybody's doing. And in some ways, I think it makes more sense to perhaps, I mean, I'm still not certain we have a lot of centre-backs who are specialists at centre-back, especially if, you know, we've got Amy Turner coming back from injury. Luana is um, still injured. So, you know, for this game, we don't even know um, who's going to be playing at centre-back other than Molly. And should Molly, please God, never let this happen, ever not play a minute, which she has played every single minute of like every game for the last three seasons, we would be struggling a little bit. That said, you know, and we're going to talk about it with the game, you know, the transformation of Evelina into a centre-back, potentially this transformation of Amanda Nilden if she isn't already into a centre-back. I feel like Robert Villaham has some plans for that. And I think that we want to see the players that there are settle so that he can make decisions about who to release come the summer. Because I think there's a lot more flexibility in the summer with players leaving as well as others coming and that's going to be important yeah I mean this is a transition season isn't it really and you know both the men's and the women's team seem to their performances are ahead of schedule on that kind of transition season but we do need to remember that that's what it is and we don't we need we don't want to kind of overflow the ranks so much that Robert can't see the wood for the trees and and have enough time to focus on each player and see what they can offer so uh, I, we haven't heard any rumours of anybody else coming in uh, and I suspect that this will be it but I do think we've got a good bunch of players uh, and hopefully enough to to finish this, this, the season well and have a, an, another good season. Yeah, like I can't say I'm not concerned about centre-back but I'm kind of like, well, if Robert's not concerned about centre-back then maybe I shouldn't be concerned about centre-back um, and that's that. I also can't really think of any center back who is maybe on the market that I would really want right now. So I'm a bit more willing to be like, yeah, like like let Robert Cook back there. Like let him make Martha Thomas a center back for all I care. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Seems fine. Well, let's not get carried away here. <laughs> but I agree with y'all. I, I feel like the squad is in a pretty good place and it's it's hard to think of any players who are like firmly on the market that we would want to grab. We're getting close to the end of the window, even if it doesn't feel like it necessarily because we did all of our business so early. But yeah, I feel like we're, we're in a pretty good spot. Uh, we also had a question that I thought was kind of interesting from Derek. He asked us, why are we still only offering two or two and a half year contracts to the recent better players that we are now finding? Surely we want to build a top team and not just develop players for other teams makes little sense to me. Um, I thought this was interesting because we did just see, you know, over here across the pond that Mel Swanson just signed a contract with the Chicago Red Stars for, you know, potential five years. I think it's four years plus a one year option. And the league is actually 
you know, increased the maximum years for a contract, uh, which I didn't even know that was a thing, but apparently it is. But we really don't see that as much, I feel like, in European women's football. So what do you think could be the reasons for that? Well, I still think, you know, like you say, I don't think it's common across the league for people to be signing particularly long contracts. I think part of it is the finances um, because there's still not the money in the women's game and it's still a bit precarious. Um, But I also think... um, uh, because it's because I think also because transfers aren't really so much of a thing in terms of spending money. I'm not sure how much the players want long term contracts if that then means that they end up staying somewhere where they don't want to be so much or having to be loaned out somewhere. So the players might prefer a short contract because then if they don't like the situation in a couple of years' time, it's easier for them to get out of the club. Um, in in a world where big money transfers don't really happen so much. I mean, I think I, w- I would like to see it moving in that direction. And we have seen, obviously, Ash had a longer contract when she signed her new contract. So there are longer contracts around, but they do seem to be for the more settled players and the players who you know where you're going. And also, I guess, with clubs not spending money so much on, on players, maybe the clubs don't want to be that commitment to a player if they're not sure how well they're going to fit into the league and the team. Because, again, we're getting in players who don't have WSL experience. And whilst we're really hopeful that they're going to settle in, if they don't, you don't want them languishing around and having spent a lot of money on them, not being able to get rid of them because they're on a contract. So there are reasons. Um, and I think the whole game needs to move in the right direction. But you can't, it's not just a Spurs issue. I mean, I guess the thing is, it's been improving slowly. So if you think about when Evelina came in at in January, she got a year and a half contract. So we are now two years on and we're getting two and a half year contracts for most of the players coming in in this January window. The only player who's ever had a three and a half year contract was Beth England. And I am very happy that we gave her that. But it sort of it was that was a step change. I think that what we've seen is in when players were renewed last year, most of them got two year renewals, um, whereas previously more of them had one year. I mean, there are some who now we maybe wish had only had one year renewals, but that's another thing. I think that, you know, the the thing that's probably more important is is finding those players who are getting close to the end of their contracts and re-signing them and doing that early. And so, you know, the fact that Evelina had a year option um, on her contract and then she was renewed in November with that option running out in June was a really good sign. So it is a sign that the club is trying to keep hold of players who are valuable. And that wasn't happening before because obviously one of the things you find is if you're not a top four team, there's just a lot of you know player volatility, which makes it really hard to develop a squad and a style of playing and a team because people will go elsewhere. And so you do need those longer term commitments and longer contracts um, coming through, and at least sort of making sure that people are renewed in a very timely fashion. So I'm hoping it's moving in the right direction. It's starting to see signs of it, but we're not there yet. And it's miles off where the men's team is, where people are getting signed till 2030 or whatever now. Yeah, like even in the men's team, you do like if you think about the actual ages of the players we've signed, which are like 20 to 22, I think something like that. A lot of times with young players like that from other leagues, like we also offer like shorter contracts on the men's side. And then like once they flourish, they get the long contract. Um, so there's still obviously like opportunity for stuff. I'm not saying that's what's like happening, but there's still 
plenty of opportunity to do those re-signings. And I think like, I think like, yeah, if you think about it, maybe this is changing, but the the options for an additional year on these contracts are not always reported out. So if you consider that some of these two and a half year contracts, and you can edit this part out if I'm wrong, if you consider that some of these two and a half year contracts ha- may have year options on them, that's like putting them up with the longest contracts in the league for sure. Cause it is, it is not just this first thing as Sean and Rachel both said, it is a league thing. And with longer contracts, you also run the risk of like, I think Sean was getting at this as, as well. Like if you think of the teams kind of like below us, where you might want to be getting rid of a player who's not performing well, they can't really afford to buy out a contract. And so there's really like no wiggle room on the bottom there. It's not like, it's not like, I mean, and we've seen also on the men's side, like what happens when you have players you can't get rid of lately. So I think, yeah, it just like is how it is at the moment and movement would be nice. But in the meantime. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a fine line between a contract being long enough to give a player financial stability and kind of what we're starting to see in the men's game where some of these contracts are too long and it's really just a a way for teams to kind of work around financial fair play rules at times. And it leads to, you know, sort of out of control spending across the whole football landscape. So I don't think we want to go too far in the other direction, Um, but it does feel like Spurs are at least keeping pace with what the league standard is now. You know, we are seeing a lot more of those like two and a half, almost three year contracts. So yeah, I think, I think we're in a good spot there. All right, so let's shift back over to the FA Cup match because Spurs women did play a game this past weekend. It was a stressful situation for many reasons, um, not least that the American half of this pod couldn't even watch the game live because it was not streaming. Um, It was not selected for the FA player coverage nor picked up by the club for a Spurs play broadcast, although to be fair, we are not completely sure that that was an option. Uh, since we know that the club only gets a certain number of live game rights every season, and they had already shown the Conti Cup group stage games, which was appreciated. But for the record, I did watch the full replay when it became available, and I know Abby has now as well. And that honestly has to be the most I've ever enjoyed a game that I already knew the result of, because there was a lot of action and tension. Uh, And that tension kind of began with the starting lineup announcement, which had quite a few curveballs for us to interpret. It's kind of like a free jazz kind of starting lineup from Robert Villaham. We had Barbara Vatikova in goal, Charlie Grant, Molly Bartrip, Evelina Simonin, and Ashley Neville in defense. So just to reiterate there, Evelina was playing as center back. <laughs> Ramona Petzelberger, Kit Graham, and Jang Lignan were in the midfield. And then we had Jess Naz and Celine Bazette on the wings and Beth England at striker. We also had a pretty sparse bench because of a bit of a, you know, mini injury crisis. It was good to see Olga Atzenen back in the squad, though. Um, She was on the bench along with our new signing, Matilda Vinber. And we later learned that Martha Thomas has a slight hamstring injury and Grace Clinton had been out with an illness. Amy Turner had a knock. Luana Buller was still absent due to her ongoing injury and likewise for Drew Spence. So that's a lot to process. Uh, what were y'all's thoughts about the starting eleven and the strength of the bench? I mean, I guess you start with uh, the goalkeeper, and um, we, you know, it's a fairly strong starting eleven um, in most ways. So you think 
Does that mean she's now our number one? Has she cemented that place? It'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend to confirm that. And then the other thing that jumps out at you is what's Evelina doing there? Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody had ever seen Evelina as a centre-back or thought of her as a centre-back and there she was. And we were like, is is that right? Is that, that just how they've written it? Or um, is she actually playing at centre-back? And no, she actually was playing at centre-back. So, um, part, but apart from, uh, it was nice to see Charlie Grant getting a start. Um, interesting to see that um, uh, that, that meant that um, Haz was on the bench, but um, interesting to see that. So a nice kind of introduction of a couple of new players uh, with with a, the availability on the bench as well and a bit of a curveball with Evelina. Yeah, I think that might have been Hazard's first minutes on the bench in any game, in any competition. So I wondered if that was, if you know, obviously Kit Graham and Ramona Petzelberger did a great job in the North London derby, both of them, both of the North London derbies, and this was their award of starting, but also that this was against lower league opposition, which was seemingly meant to have been an easier game than it turned out to be. Um, and so giving her a rare break for that reason. Yeah, Evelina, I was just um I mean I I trust in Evelina and I've seen we've seen her play at center midfield, defensive midfield. We've seen her play as a sort of 10, almost a sort of like false nine and I you know, I kind of have this belief that she will do whatever she's asked to do and work it out. Uh and we can talk about how she did it in the end, but I guess I was like both surprised and also kind of thought, yeah, okay. I mean if there's a spare, you know, if there's a job to do and we haven't got the obvious player, it's going to be Evelina or Has who fill that job. I mean, that is just like they are Robert's go-to players to do stuff. Yeah, I was kind of on a journey with that one because when I saw it, I yeah, I also assumed that it was wrong. Um, and then when I realized that it wasn't, I was kind of excited to see how it played out. And then I think like. I'll embarrass myself here for a second. I was like texting Caroline as I was watching the game on double speed. And I was like, I like watched Evelina make a, a tackle and like play the ball um, or like carry the ball upfield and then play it through the center. And I was like, am I getting shades of Cootie Romero from this? And then I was like, okay, no, it's like, shut up. It's fine. Um, and like, but I think my general, my general consensus is like, yeah, like I trust that she can do it, but like, She's such a good midfielder. And if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, I don't know, maybe she could just be like one of the best midfielders in the league. And she doesn't also have to be like a perfectly serviceable center back. Uh, and maybe we should sign a new one. Yeah. And I wonder if this experiment would have happened in a league game. I probably think it would not have. Um, and, you know, it was just the relative strength of our opponent that was giving Robert the idea of even trying this because, you know, Ash Neville eventually later in the game did move into that center back spot, which is not really, you know, a familiar position for her either, but at least made a little more sense since she's a defender by trade. Um, you know what? Like that's that almost made less sense to me. So we can get onto that when we get to that point in the game. But, you know, I've never seen her playing center back either. You know, she's and she's very much sort of a winger who is also we'll get to it but yeah like she's not like I think of centre-back as a very disciplined position which obviously there are moments where you can go and you can be expressive and you know yeah cutie Romero vibes absolutely and but I I also yeah it wasn't a role that I was necessarily thinking oh Ash will fill that either well also Ash once told us that she doesn't like to play in the centre 
didn't she? Like she said that when we interviewed her on the pod, she was like, I'll do anything, just not in the center. Oh dear. (laughs) Well, I think that to speak to Rachel's discipline point, that was kind of what made me concerned about Evelina being in that role, because we have seen a few times already this season where she's, you know, had a lapse in concentration when, you know, pitching in on defense and maybe conceding a couple of penalties. So yeah, that one made me nervous. But otherwise, it felt like we did have pretty close to the strongest lineup available, you know, considering that Olga was still coming back from her injury and obviously wasn't going to be starting. Also, the other thing is because we didn't know in advance that Grace um, Clinton wasn't going to be there. And so having Zhang Linyan starting at number 10, that's the first time that we've seen that. And so I guess that was probably almost as much of a surprise. <laughs> Just And we didn't know Martha wasn't going to be there. So there was lots of players we didn't know weren't going to be there. Um, and so, yeah, that was <laughs> that was another one. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Well, we did not get off to the best start because Sheffield United actually scored first in the 13th minute off of a free kick that Spurs just completely failed to clear. When I was watching the game back, I kind of questioned whether that free kick should have been given in the first place since it looked to me like Ash had won the ball. But as always, we don't really get proper replay angles, uh, so it's hard to tell. And, uh, you know, even just some zoom would have been nice on that occasion, but Either way, the defense on the resulting set piece was pretty disorganized, perhaps because of those multiple changes to the back line that we just talked about, because Ash had also swapped sides as fullback. So she was back out on the right side with Charlie making her debut. But Sophie Haywood was left basically unmarked and was able to shoot past Barbara. Uh, What do y'all think we could have done better on that goal concession? I mean, it was really chaotic, wasn't it? I think at the point at which she got the shot away, which was you know, the, the ball came back into the area and back to her at the top of the area. And she she was unmarked, like you say. I think Beth England was running to get to her. Evelina seemed like she was kind of backing into Barbara. It just looked a bit chaotic and like people didn't know what their roles were. Not just the defensive line, but just everybody in terms of marking a set piece. Um, yeah, something to learn from. It wasn't good. It wasn't the kind of usual, like in the past, what we've had with set pieces tends to be balls in the air. And this was different. This felt slightly more basic and in a way I'm hoping more fixable. Yeah, I think they just all went forward, didn't they? When like, with the ball and then the ball came back and there was nobody to mark the player and the players didn't quite know what to do. So, yeah, just a bit of a, let's put it down to uh, first game back, rustiness. Fair enough. And then the first big chance for Spurs came on a set piece when Ash flicked on a corner kick and Ramona nearly headed it in, but United's keeper tipped it over the bar at the last second. We also had three corners back to back in that sequence, which was very interesting to watch. And then Jess nearly scored in the 28th minute on a breakaway and she had the keeper beat, but hit the far post, which was pretty unfortunate. And then seconds later, she was called offside on a pretty similar opportunity. So it was not ideal to head into halftime a goal down, but were y'all still feeling hopeful about the comeback at this point? Yeah, I mean, one nil down to Sheffield United is something that should be recoverable, isn't it, really? Um, It's something, you know, we should be able to get back into that game. So I don't think I I was feeling particularly worried at that point. Um, Just, yeah, expecting for a better performance in the second half. It did feel like there were more chances as the half went on. And so it felt like Spurs were sort of warming into it. Like you said, there was sort of chances for Jess. There was a chance for Beth. Um, 
people were getting into positions I felt like just in terms of how people were playing you know like Charlie was combining pretty well with Jess but this but felt like that final pass wasn't coming through and so you know we saw what was good with Charlie but also what she hasn't yet completely mastered so you know she was very she was very strong on the ball getting forward but just that you know the precision of her passing isn't quite there or maybe it's just like knowing where each other is going to be and that's going to come with familiarity um I didn't love Jess on the wing we can get into like second half Jess where she moved off of the wing and I actually thought just because coming back to how Evelina did in that role I you know her pass I mean what I love about Evelina is just her passing and so she was constantly finding ways to play the ball out she always seems to know where she's going to play the ball whether it's a header or you know whether she's passing or whatever she's doing defensively so it just was a much faster turnover than I think when Amy plays that obviously Amy is much better defensively in terms of you know just the basic in the box defending but yeah you know, it goes back to what Abby was saying earlier about Luana being the best ball playing centre back. I think that Evelina's an even better ball playing centre back. She's just less good defensive centre back. But there wasn't always someone to pass to. I think that was the problem, is yeah, like Kit and Ramona were not as involved as they could be. Yeah, I thought the whole team kind of just had a slow start to the game. But as the half went on, we were looking better. So definitely felt like we could still get a win. Um, and then at halftime, we saw two changes with Engrad James replacing Evelina and Ellie Brazil coming on for Linian. Surprisingly, Engrad went into the midfield while Ellie took on the right back role and Ash moved into that center back partnership with Molly. <laughs> so I would just like to hear y'all's unfiltered reactions to learning that Ellie was going to be playing right back. Well, it took me a while to work out that's what she actually was doing because I didn't really believe it. Is 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 she she playing at right back or is she just or are they just playing with two or three at the back? And eventually, worked out she was playing at right back. And yeah, um, confused. I think is probably the word. Um, not what we were expecting from a player who hasn't that, had that many minutes and is is good attacking player. But we, I don't think she's ever played in the defense in her life. Probably. Yeah, I think I wasn't super excited about it I think I tweeted like because somebody had asked me to sort of tweet out what positions people were playing in and so when the changes went I was just like yeah really because it just made so little sense and um yeah I don't know I mean I I kind of I do understand his logic and that he's constantly wants these attacking players to be in those positions but oh god I guess my thought was mostly around, and then like likewise, I said earlier, like I think I was asked surprised at Ash playing centre back because it just seems to stifle all of her kind of creativity and attacking verve, and so that I was also confused about, and that they were on the same side because Ash was the right centre back with Ellie outside of her seemed just a kind of devil may care let's just try it kind of strategy but and the only thing I can guess is that he really didn't want to move Charlie like he wanted her to have a full 90 in the same position and he couldn't therefore bring you know because she has played centre back before so that would have made more sense for Charlie Grant to go centre back Ash to go left back bring Has back to right back you know there's like things you could do or 
some but he didn't do that and I think it's partly about wanting to give Charlie Grant the full 90 at left back I have some theories on this yeah I think like I mean to your point about like wanting to give Charlie the full 90 at left back I wonder whether some of it is like he obviously has a system and the players who have been here are going to know the system and I think there's probably an argument to be made based on like the everything we've seen so far this this year from him that he may be like kind of far over to the side of believing that like there's no such thing as positions and you do like what you do on the field and positions don't exist and players are not positions and anyone can play anywhere, which like <laughs> I think this game was like a pretty radical example of that. But I think like if you are introducing a player into your new system where they are not a position, it probably maybe makes sense to have them playing in the role they're most used to at first. But yeah, I wonder whether he's just a sicko who who thinks that every place on the field is the same and, and it's about the system and not the position. I think it's really interesting. I also think, I wonder as well what it tells us about his understanding of how Ash plays, that he thinks that she's flexible enough and understands his system well enough to go into centre-back because it tends to be the players that he trusts more that he moves back or moves into these other positions like he's done you've has with Evelina it's those players yeah and what I will say I think like to qualify what I said about Ash earlier I feel like maybe she told us she didn't want to play center mid but she definitely said she didn't want to play a central position I just can't remember if it was all of them or just midfield but also I think that like Ash is a really good player and sometimes you can grow and change by doing stuff you don't want to do so I, I do think this is like fine and good um and I I agree that it's probably a sign that he trusts these players to be able to play out of maybe what they would consider their normal position even if he doesn't believe in positions because he tends to talk about the ones that move in terms of like their them being incredibly good on the ball having the skills those kind of things I think it may have been perhaps a little too much trust in Ellie playing in that right back position because the experiment really didn't pay off, you know, almost immediately in the 51st minute, Ashley Hodson wrong footed Ellie and had her shot hit the far post, um, which ricocheted right into just Sigsworth's path. And she got a close range goal. So yeah, it didn't work out in that instance. Any other thoughts on that goal other than the obvious, you know, she didn't just out of position. Her. I think she nutmegged her and it was like a really great shot. It's kind of, it's a shame that it wasn't the shot that went in, but yeah, it was bad. I also think um, you, Molly was on the wrong side of her, or Sigsworth, you know, she was not goal side of her player. I think because they were all watching the ball flying over and thinking that was the, and not thinking about what happens next. So yeah, I love Molly, but in that instance, um, she was not in the right place. Yeah. But again, I think that comes down to the disruption of the overall chemistry of the back line. So I'll cut her some slack in that case. Uh, how much panic were y'all feeling at 2-0 down? It was just kind of depressing. Um, we're not going to go into it here, but there were real reasons to not like the Sheffield United manager and him coming back and getting a win against us would be very triumphalist and you know, so there were reasons beyond the fact that I wanted Spurs to stay in the FA Cup, which I obviously did. And this was looking really dodgy. 2-0 down. Um, 
I wasn't fully panicked. I was sitting next to um, a couple of other people who were much more panicked than I was. Yeah, I think it's just resignation, isn't it, at that point? Okay, here we go again. I'll have that Sunday off then. Yeah, but then when you've got players like Beth England fighting in the way that she did and and the quality of players we've got. And also the other thing that I I, I did say was, you know, fitness, you know, that's going to show through in the second half. And being, you know, aside in a higher league, I did think that our fitness would come through in the second half but, and later our stages of the game would be easier for us. So there were things to be positive about. Um, and two goals isn't the end of the world, but the way they celebrated that second goal as well um, on the bench for Sheffield United, you know, you could see how much it meant to them and, and how important it was. The club as a whole of, of whatever, who, whoever's at fault and, and whoever's not at fault for things, they've been going through a lot lately and, you know, you can see what it meant to them to be getting something. So, um, yeah, I think it was more kind of resignation to, uh, oh, well, maybe we won't have a cup run this year then. But um, thankfully, the team... Uh, Prove me wrong. And I guess also, even before they came on, it was really obvious that we were going to have more creative options off the bench than Sheffield United were. So that was the thing that was always there. And I think, you know, listening back to the Spurs play commentary, David noted that Sheffield had been pressing pretty strongly, but it wasn't something that was going to be sustainable for them, you know, throughout the whole game. And, you know, right after we went down 2-0. We did have almost an immediate chance to get back, but Jess's shot was just a little bit too tame. But then in the 66th minute, Robert went ahead and made a triple substitution, and I think we kind of needed that injection of freshness. So we saw Ramona, Celine, and Kit all came off of the pitch, and on came Olga Atanen making her return from injury, Matilda Vinbear making her debut, and Rosella Ayan. And all three of them would make an impact on the eventual comeback win. So pretty good changes overall. It was just a few minutes later that Matilda found Angerad in the central position, who immediately placed a through ball into the box for Beth to run onto and score. Beth timed that run perfectly to stay onside. And she immediately grabbed the ball and got back to the center circle to restart play. So what was your favorite part of this goal? A new signings involvement, that exquisite assist, or Beth's perfect captain behavior to hurry up and kick off again. I did think it was funny that it was the uh, the Sheffield player who was keeping Beth onside, who was the one calling for offside. Um, I, I don't. I think she didn't really notice at what point the ball was played, but it was certainly her keeping Beth onside. So that was interesting. Um, I, I mean, my favorite bit was has that that through ball um, was just you know incredibly well timed, and I think has came on and had a great game um generally speaking we know she's been important to us this season and um she, you know she made a difference she was all over the pitch um and between her and Olga I think uh showed what we've been missing in the center of the park earlier on in the game so but yeah for, for that I mean it, it was a great goal and it was all brilliant but my favorite bit was has and that little through ball just you know straight away just first touch through ball knew where Beth was going to be and and there it was yeah, I think, I mean, Hazard's pass was good, but it was also, if you think about it, it was it was us scoring a team goal again because it was sort of, it was Olga to Matilda to Haz through to Beth. And so it was that sort of fast passing on the ground into the box. And I think in a way, my favourite bit was Beth because, you know, it's been a while since she scored a goal for us. And this was the start of her scoring again. And we she looked a bit rusty when she'd come on before Christmas 
and she was pressing much more actively. She seemed much more involved in this game. And for her, and we know that she's the player who doesn't need a lot of chances. And it was good to see that was still the case. And so I think it's very exciting to see Beth getting on the score sheet again. Um, you know, it bodes very well for the rest of our season. I loved all of those things about the goal. I'm just, as I'm sure you guys probably know, I'm a sucker for a player grabbing the ball out of the back of the net and running back to halfway line. I can't help it. So that was my favorite part. Yeah. And good point, Rachel, that this was Beth's first goal since coming back from that hip surgery recovery. And in typical Beth fashion, she wasn't satisfied with just one goal. She would end up getting a brace by converting a penalty. Jess actually won the penalty by pressing one of United's defenders as she received a pretty dodgy pass out from their keeper. And Beth just converted that penalty with ease. And can we give Jess some praise for her overall performance? You know, even if she didn't get on the score sheet herself, I felt like she had a pretty good game overall in terms of causing Sheffield United's defense some problems. I think Jess has been effective in the center. I like her as a nine or a sort of like playing centrally with either Beth or Martha. I think it works. It's worked in the last few games. I think she was less effective in the first half because she has less opportunity to pose a a danger to the goal because she's just out wider and she's And I think defenders don't like playing against her at all. She clearly rattles them. In this case, she, you know, literally, you know, rattled them and she got brought down. But you can see, you know, we saw this against Arsenal in the two games and we saw it here again today, that especially when she's playing with other players who can provide those passes to get her the ball at the right time, she can be a real threat and she was offside a few times and that's always been an issue and she there was a couple there was one chance where she didn't a couple of chances where she didn't probably finish properly but I also think that what she does is because she's quite hard to defend I think it produces additional space for other players and I think we've seen that in the games that she's been playing so I actually think she's doing well there and I like to see her there. I wasn't so much in love with her this game um maybe because we went so long without scoring but it felt to me like she missed a good few opportunities to score and she was just having one of those days where it wasn't gonna run for her uh, in terms of scoring and things and there weren't other people coming into the box for her to kind of distract you know it just felt like this was a game where we needed somebody who was going to score goals and she wasn't going to be that person in this game obviously in the second half as we got better and thing you know and and her involvement in this goal was great and it was the sort of stuff that we love her to be doing um you know and without Martha on the field having somebody making those kind of pressure points and things was great but I didn't feel like it was one of her best games um and I did I I felt like she was just taking shots that were not good enough too often I thought she was contributing some good things I I would say I was like I was like solidly satisfied with her this game I yeah, there she she got into good positions and took good chances. And I think like yeah, her shots definitely left a little bit to be desired. Uh, but first game back after a break, like I feel like that's the kind of thing she'll play herself into. So I was like I was kind of heartened by this performance and I've been enjoying seeing her on the fields like basically all season. So yeah, I was I, I I would say like I was satisfied plus with her today. Yeah, fair enough. 
Well, we had just over 10 minutes left to play at this point where we had equalized. Um, so it felt like we definitely could win this one in regulation and avoid the extra time. We had a free kick in the 85th minute that resulted in a couple of follow-up chances. Um, I thought it was interesting that Matilda took the free kick in Evelina's absence. Uh, that might be something to keep an eye on going forward. And then United's keeper made a very, very good save on a shot by Olga in the 88th minute as Charlie and a United player both continued to struggle with cramps. So you could definitely see fitness taking its toll on both teams at this point. Um, Olga then nearly saw her corner kick go straight into the net, but Stenson just got a palm to it. Uh, Molly also made a few crucial interventions in the dying minutes of the game, including a very shrewd professional foul. Uh, quick reminder here that there aren't replays in the women's edition of the FA Cup. So if we had not found a winner in stoppage time, the game would have gone to extra time and possibly penalties. But luckily, Ross stepped in to save the day. With less than 30 seconds left in stoppage, Olga sent a brilliant through ball up to Roz, who took a touch to control it and then chipped it over the keeper. Stenson did get a hand to the ball, but it had a little bit too much height for her to handle it, and it sailed right back into the net. What a comeback. <laughs> so describe the scenes for those of us who weren't there and didn't get to witness this last-minute winner. It was kind of funny, wasn't it? I mean, it's beautiful and perfect, and Roz scores the winner in the cup game which is her specialty and I mean it's usually the Conti cup but look if she can extend her cup genius to all cups that's great yeah I mean she's the player you don't expect to score she missed an absolute sitter like earlier and then she got this one and you know the goalkeeper who was really tall got her fingertips to it and it still went in it was fantastic and yeah the scenes there were people were just like screaming and jumping up and down and you know it just because it seemed unreal doesn't it it seemed both utterly predictable and completely unreal and all of those things give you the joy of football you know that Roz is a hero in this moment having been just like the most frustrating player in so many games for so long um but it's perfect and you know I just have to just massively praise Olga here because she was easily, I mean, the fact that she came on and she played 25 minutes and she was just so clearly a cut above in terms of what she was doing. She joined up the defense and the offense in a way that it hadn't been joined before. She was contributing at both ends. And that assist was beautiful. It's from her weak foot. I mean, we're so happy and so lucky to have her back. I mean, only Roz could score a winning goal that halfway through the goal, you thought it wasn't going to go in. Um, because when the keeper got their hand to it, I was like, no, because we were already sort of celebrating. Um, but it, it wasn't enough and um, it did go in. So that was good. And I think after the North London derby uh, uh, goal that wasn't, I think uh, Ross probably deserved to uh, have something to uh, to uh, brag about. And it was, uh, you know, great relief, I think, in that moment that we'd come through it. And also, I mean, that's... I, a great way to come back, isn't it, for the second half of the season, start with a bit of a rusty team uh, and uh, and work your way back into the game and uh, take on a, a championship side who shouldn't have given you any trouble, but clearly do because they clearly wanted it and it meant a lot to them and to come fighting back and to take it at the last gasp moment to make it proper Spurs, edge of your seat stuff. Uh, yeah, it's great. And 
um, it gives us every opportunity of, you know, having an, another great cup run. We've got two competitions now um, where depending on the draw, you know, we can, we can get a decent distance in them. It was so funny. I like, so I woke up, I think the game, like the, that second goal had just gone in when I woke up and I like, for some reason, like have checked how everything was going on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, we're going to score another goal. And I was just like, it wasn't even watching because I couldn't. Um, but I was totally unsurprised uh, when I just saw like a wall of tweets that was basically like, ha ha ha, Roz. Like every tweet was like verbatim that. And I just knew something. I just knew that was what had happened. Um, and it had to it had to be her. I don't know why. Everything she does is, of, of this nature is just so funny. She's like somehow like the most clutch and least clutch player to have ever existed. And I don't understand how this is even possible, but it just is. Um, and then like when the highlights came out, uh, me and my friend were like going back to check to see because we thought it had maybe touched her hand. And we were like, again really um but I don't think it actually did um but yeah I know I think Rachel you say this all the time and you haven't said it this time so I'll say it uh she's better when she doesn't have any time to think and she really had very little time to think there um and so yeah it was it was like a a super Roz goal and I loved it and I thought it was great so yeah we really got peak Roz you love to see it Can I just say, like, it was, it was like, I don't know if you watched the video which had Beth's team talk after the game, but in that team talk, she sort of basically says, Yeah, Roz, you missed a really good chance, but you kept going and you had another one. And it, it was almost like Bev was all of us. And, and she was, and she was like, No, I didn't mean it badly. I mean it like, you know, like, this is really good. That's what we do. We keep going. Um, I think, I think Beth was also talking about the fact that she missed a couple of, good chances as well in that so I don't think she was just piling it on Roz I think she was saying <laughs> she missed a couple as well so but the point just- is we persevered we got the win that's all that matters in the end and like Sean said we do have a good prospect of a deep cup run because two WSL teams were eliminated in this fourth round that would be West Ham and Bristol City and there are actually two teams from the National League North that advance so we still got some you know lower division teams in the mix joining nine remaining WSL clubs and five remaining championship clubs. Uh, But we did already have the draw and found out that we're going to be hosting Charlton Athletic in the fifth round. Are y'all happy with that draw? Got to be, haven't you, really? Um, Just needed it to not be uh, one of the top sides. And, I mean, it's always great to play teams like Charlton. We'll see Karen again, which is lovely. Angela Addison is is still playing at Charlton. So some familiar faces to see. And, um, yeah, should be a good opportunity for us to progress yeah I think it's really good um I think the only thing that makes it harder for us to progress after that round is that all of the all of the draws include a WSL team so you know if everything goes to form which it probably won't then that might be an all WSL quarterfinals on a positive note though one of Arsenal or Manchester City will be out because they drew each other for the next round so we've got that to to help us out and those fifth round fixtures aren't going to be played until the weekend of 11th February. So we're just going to wrap up things now by previewing our next game, which is away at West Ham in the WSL. This game has some added intrigue now, thanks to the signing of uh, frequent Spurs women training ground attendee, Christy Mewis. And obviously 
we presume that Shalina's, you know, got something in her loan contract saying that she cannot play against her parent club. But West Ham were just bounced out of the FA Cup by Chelsea. They're probably more focused on WSL survival at this point anyway. Uh, and they are tied on points with last place Bristol City with only three goals separating them. We did get a fitness update from Robert. So Martha Thomas, Grace Clinton, and Amy Turner could all be back in contention for this match. But Drew Spence, Shuang Wang, and Luana Bula remain out. How are we feeling about this one? I mean, West Ham are an interesting side, aren't they? I mean, obviously, we've got the old rivalry from the men's side of Spurs-West Ham. From a WSL perspective, in terms of actual grounds, they're our closest rivals. And ever since we've been in the WSL, it's always been fairly kind of uh, even contest between the two sides. So it's it's great fun to play West Ham, I think, uh, apart with the exception of the one game which Kit get, got injured and was out with her ACL forever. We didn't like that game. But beyond that, you know, it's it's a good competitive game. Um, West Ham are struggling this season in the way that we were last season. Uh, they have strengthened in the window. Um, but um, I think we should be expecting to get something out of this game um the way where we're at compared with where they're at, i think we're uh, a little bit ahead of them now but as i say you can never tell really with west ham they generally do give us a good game so looking forward to it but hope but hoping we take three points if uh you know hoping we take all three points and certainly get one from it i think i i have some like pros and cons about this west ham game for us i like i haven't thought enough about how i think our new current brand of football would do against Skinner Ball uh, in its current iteration. I think maybe like, well, but I'm honestly like, I think the thing that concerns me most is like West Ham's ability to like have strikers shoot ball against our current lack of, of center backs. Um, and then like, obviously the new reinforcements, like, I've obviously loved Christine Mewis for a long time and I'm going to be sad to see her playing against us for West Ham um, if she features. Uh, but I think one thing to note here, I didn't hear anyone say it, although it's possible that I was too busy looking it up and that I, I missed you guys saying it, but isn't um, Hoa Sissoko out with a red card suspension right now for them? Cause that would be, that would make a difference to us. She's pretty good. I think she got two yellows and she had a one match suspension, which was probably the cup game is my memory uh, of it. Cause I was I also hoping right. she'd be out, but I think she won't be. Yeah. Well, and they did okay. pick up Katrina Gory as well. Right. In this transfer window. So I, I think they've made some pretty smart additions. Uh, yeah. It's just a, a question of can Rianne put all the pieces together. I think that was kind of the question for her at Spurs too. So yeah, I was going to say if it's, if history has anything to say about this, I think we can pretty definitively say the answer is no, but I I don't know. I actually think, and this is no, no offense to any of the players we picked up in that window. It was a really good window for West Ham. I almost think it's like maybe a better window than the, the consequential Skinner window. Yeah. No, I think that's, they have a good team. I thought they had a decent team even earlier in the season and they played well in moments in games. And I think even against Chelsea, they were good for the first 50 or 60 minutes. And that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, Chelsea had to take them to extra time in order to win the cup tie. 
And they've got some really good attacking players in Ueki and um, Asai and, you know, and they've strengthened. And like you say, Gori is going to be really important to them. And I think it's a shame that we have to play them twice since the window because they're the only team we didn't play pre-Christmas when they were considerably weaker. And we've had a bad time going to West Ham. And one thing I'm just going to just put out there is I really hope that Kit Graham is not in the lineup because not only did she get an ACL two years ago, but last season when we went there, she scored an own goal. So let's just, Kit, not going away to West Ham. I just think, like, you could tell this whole thing, like, maybe she can overcome the jinx, blah, blah, blah. But let's just not risk it. We've got enough players in those positions. Um, Yeah, we haven't had the greatest games away to them. I think it's going to be tougher than people maybe think it's going to be in terms of their position in the league, just on the basis of how strong they were at the start of their game against Chelsea. And obviously Chelsea were rusty too. And we have players who can do things, but eh, yeah. Yeah. We're not superstitious necessarily, just a little stitious about Kit playing in this game. So Robert, if you're listening, please heed our warning. (laughs) Well, We did have some other listener questions that were not related to transfers, but we're going to save those for our next episode, actually. Uh, We're going to be recording early this following week because there is a midweek game coming up. So keep an ear out for that. And I just wanted to share also a follow-up to our listener poll after the last episode. Uh, We asked what we should call the new Spurs women's style. And there actually ended up being a tie between Bob Ball and Villahom ball. But I just have to say that anecdotally, I have seen RV ball used much more often in the wild, and it was not far behind the leaders in the poll. So the debate rages on. Thank you all for listening, and we will be back next week to recap the West Ham game. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at In17Women. Come on, you Spurs. Mm-hmm.